0: Today, you would not believe how thrilled I am to have a fellow publisher on the show. So I want to introduce to you Steve Eggleston. Now, Steve is a law school valedictorian. He's a former law professor. He's also an author, a lecturer, a colorful trial lawyer who left home at the age 16 and worked his way through school over the years. And uh, his clients and adversaries have included con men, swindlers, greedy families, drug addicts, big oil and uh, tobacco, Fortune 100 companies, entertainment giants, Grammy winning artists, and computer hackers. Okay, that is a very interesting list. Now, upon leaving the law, he launched II Hip Hop, one of the first online hip hop portals. And he has produced executive feature films and theaters. I mean, this man has just about done it all. Uh, Rock and roll magazine. He's done a thousand plus live shows worldwide. Uh, And he has also managed Grammy award winning music producers as well. Now he is a full-time author today and he is published in fiction and nonfiction and You know what? The one thing I love most is he now helps people write, helps non-writers write their books. And so Steve, and he's from Somerset, England, so he's across the pond.
1: So welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you so much for, for having me. And it's funny here, whenever I speak, being American, it's like, whoa! you have such an American accent (laughs) in in America. Who would ever say you have an American accent, but it's sort of funny. So I say, well, that's a Southern accent in America, but
0: I always find it funny when people say I have a Canadian accent. Like what is what even? Well, you country? have
1: a, l- a little in there that I can hear. I wouldn't say oh Canadian because what what is a Canadian accent anyway? <laughs> right? I mean, come on, if you're in Quebec, you you better have a little French in that accent. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve,
0: you have had such an incredibly colorful past. So. We're going to start off today's podcast. I'm going to let you loose for a few minutes
1: just to share a bit more about your story. Well, since we're talking about books, it's, it's uh, sort of interesting to reverse engineer it. When I was younger, I won't give my current age because uh, I, I might lose half your audience if I do that. Uh, my, my, father, my father did fly B-52s during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and I was alive, so you could probably narrow that down, <laughs> be that as it may. It used to be, and you, I'm sure you'll remember this, not too long ago, before Amazon, you had to have an agent, and yes. you had to have a publisher. If you lacked either or, you were writing a personal diary. <laughs> That's <laughs> really it. I mean, you couldn't publish a book under your name or any other name today fast forward to 2020 i have a ghostwriting business it's not really even a ghostwriting business it's a collaborative writing business because half the books i just I grabbed a pile of them half half oh well i wrote that one myself but all of these books even though they i i advertised for the clients or they found me as a ghost writer
0: mm-hmm.
1: in all of them i have the with credit ah. so today we have the era of the with credit which means that even though you're hired to write somebody else's book even though you're paid to write that book uh you end up with your name on the cover unless the person is a celebrity and I've done a bunch of celebrity books, in which case they just don't want any distraction by a ghostwriter. Several reasons for that. Uh, one reason is you could do something horrible that they don't know about or that happens later, and then it affects their brand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's that's one reason. It used to be that they you wanted to give the impression that the person, say Donald Trump, wrote his own book. And the point is, The thing that happened with the internet and so much communication is that everybody knows now that people who are busy CEOs, unless they're retired, they don't have time to write a book and they don't have the know-how. So they they know a ghostwriter's there. So if you can put a with writer on who's got solid credibility, they will do so. Or if you have the leverage to get your name on there. But even then, I must say, you must you know, if you manage somebody who's hiring somebody to do it, you have to be careful. Let's suppose the person gets slapped with a Me Too lawsuit in two years. So now your client who did nothing wrong has written a book with somebody who was on Orgy Island with, with Epstein or, you know, who, who 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 got claims against him, usually him, for sexual harassment or Me Too. So you've got to be very careful if you're protecting a brand. But today, most people that contact me, uh, they hire me to write their book. They're they're very happy to have my name go on there as a with. And so I can show the books around. And the thing that's really exciting is that my wife and I uh, just launched a film company called Hummingbird Motion Pictures. It's a registered British company now. Nice. And uh, we did it. And it was lovely because we, we met over Hummingbirds 20 years ago, a different story for a different podcast, but that's the reason I'm in England, but but I now take certain of the books that I withwrite, <laughs> and we move them over to the motion picture company, and we try to launch and do motion pictures with them. Uh, so uh, it's quite exciting today. Now, who could do that as a ghostwriter 20 years ago? And the answer to that question is zero. But today, you can not only write books as a ghostwriter, as a with writer, you can option those books when you're done, and you can do an independent motion picture or find a good producer to go with you and take it to Netflix or Amazon Prime, because they might just buy that and fund that picture. Yeah. So that's sort, of the, that's sort of my story today. Uh, there's always bobbles and side bits to it, but that's the, the fundamental uh, m- midsection of it.
0: So I guess the biggest question I've got for you, because you were like this lawyer that represented some pretty incredible people, how did you go from being a lawyer to
1: a ghostwriter? Well, that's a very interesting question. Uh, it, you know, you, you're. There's the famous line, probably misquoted by many and myself too. But in To Kill a Mockingbird, where uh, it's something like, uh, you know, lawyers or once children too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, is the quote. And and it, you're something before you become a lawyer. And bef- before I was a lawyer, I was into the music scene, and I, you know, I loved. Movies and I loved how how movies were made. So it was sort of always part, uh, you know, in my pocket somewhere. Uh, and and I, there was that that uh, place that that you know Robert Frost. You know, you come to that fork in the road thing, and I could have gone to Florida and and stayed in the band, or I could have gone with my parents to California and go to law school, and. You know, at that age, I, I, you know, it was basically we'll disown you if you don't come with us uh, and go to law school. What? Well, not quite that bad. It was a little better than that. But so I did, and then I did well, and I did well in law school. Not necessarily because I was smarter than anybody, because I was not. There were definitely people smarter. But I graduated number one in my class because in my senior year in high school. When all the guys on the wrestling team and the football team and all that stuff that I did took wood shop, I had my eye on this one girl who was taking typing. So I took typing when I was 17 years old, the last semester of my high school, and that ability put me in a class of 50 in law school as one of three people who typed. And the difference between writing in blue books when no one can read half of what you're writing. And I write big and fast. And I would – it's like, what did I just say? I couldn't even read it to finish the the analysis. When I started typing, I was a fast typer. I jumped right to the top of the class. So it's like – so. So now you get you got a typewriter. A lot of the people around you aren't typing unless it's a secretary. They're a secretary. And so I started doing a lot of writing mm-hmm. because I could type. Whereas, you know, otherwise you're writing it out by hand. Somebody's got, you're dictating it into the old, you used to have that handheld with the little mini tapes and then you give it to a secretary, but they, they weren't going to do your book. So I could type and work on things at home. And I, I got an opportunity to do a law book, Employment Law in California, still published to this day, when my then wife's uh, father, who was an employment law guru with all these books, just couldn't take on another book. So they hired us to do it. That became my first book. Now, once you do a book, you realize you can do a book. (laughs) Just before that, you just think, I'm never going to write a book in my life. And I knew I could write a book. So as life went on and I got involved in the theater business and the motion picture business, I wrote plays. I started writing um, scripts. I took a class from this fellow, James D'Alessandro in San Francisco, who was absolutely phenomenal. And then I eventually left law and was hired uh, a COO of a motion picture company. Uh, I had a transitional case where I represented a guy that we were suing Sony and he became my best friend and so we we finished that case off and took the money and I went into this motion picture company and then I'm writing scripts and starting and working on a book that I had started which is this book Conflicted (laughs) took me like seven years to write that book originally and uh sort of like once you've written a book that took seven years it's like you're not going to just say well I'm done with that but here's the problem if you're a lawyer in California or wherever, you it's like living in the Middle Ages. You can only practice in that state.
0: Mm. Well, the,
1: the internet and globalism has really changed everything. So the idea in America that you're licensed to practice in one state is really stupid feudalism in my view. So, But it stuck me into California. If I'm gonna do that, I gotta stay in California. I cannot get married to the lady I'm now married to because she's a very active person in Britain. And you can't do both. I can't move to England (laughs) and practice law. So eventually I was able to get out of all the law stuff, move into motion pictures, move into music, and do writing on the side. And now with Amazon, add Amazon now back into the picture, you can be in business and help people write books who don't need agents, who don't need publishers, and wanna tell their story, right? Maya Angelou, the, what's it, the? The, the, there's no, nothing greater than the, the, the pain you have inside you of an untold story or whatever that one is, you know. So there, so there is how I got from being a lawyer to being a ghostwriter. It's that combination of about four or five key factors that, you know, catapulted me here, if you will.
0: It's funny, you talk about writing things out first. When I first started doing blog posts, because that's how I started writing, um, I would write everything out by hand because I just hated typing. And then uh-huh. afterwards, I would sit and I, because I, I never learned how to type, so I'd type it out. And then after a while, I realized I was making my process a
1: whole
0: lot longer.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, so I think I still I, write out sometimes, though. I'll bet you do too. Every once in a while, oh, yeah. the mind and hand work better than the fingers and, and, and the mind.
0: Well, you should see my wall and desk. They're just covered in handwritten notes.
1: <laughs> yes, do, indeed. Because I
0: do prefer. Actually, one thing I want to get, okay, and it's not practical. This is, um, you know, when we have a ton of extra money toy, is mm. one of those tablets where you write, and mm. it automatically puts it into type for you. Yes. What's that called? Oh, there's a few of them available. I can't remember, but I'm like... That would yeah. be my toy. That would be my toy. Like, I can't, oh, I'd probably no. use it, but it was kind of like, oh, I just
1: like to have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, see, that, I'm like, I, I do have those desires myself for these tech toys. Truth is, is very often when I get them, the romance fades quickly. I just can't fold them into the speed with which I want to do something. It just doesn't be keys on screen. Uh, but I love little, I've got a couple over here that are got dust on them, it's embarrassing. They're plugged in, the batteries, you know, they're ready to go, Kindles and all this. I read a book, preferably, rather than a Kindle, because of my eyes. Mm. It's just too much to be on that Kindle. I've got a beautiful Kindle. I've got, oh, yeah, so welcome, welcome to the 20. 20- well, you know what- Kindle, you can increase the font size, right? Yes, I know. I just, even then, it just seems like my eyes are hurting mm. when I use it. And I don't know if I've got it in my head that way. So I'm building, bringing a bias to it, but I just can't look. I'm in the screen. I, I tell you, there's, I'll tell you how much I'm in the screen. I use Grammarly. Now I don't, I just use it as a quick just column tool, right? Half the time you can't go by it but it fixes you're in british and american english like i am a lot it's very helpful to have it there the brits are always substituting an s for a z or two l's instead of one and the a e oh you know they're always got the an extra o in there for encyclopedia and stuff and then just in general it's a good catch i for the 46th straight week am in the top one percentile production and unique words for all Grammarly users on planet Earth. And I found out that I have been number one more than half of those times. That amounts to, I think, 32 million words checked since late September 2019. So that's how much time I'm in front of that screen. Yes. and. I enjoy reading you know, a book that's not in a screen.
0: I do First. both. It depends. Some of my yes. books I read on Kindle. Some of them I read on paper. Sometimes it just depends how, like if I'm just buying a book to read, a lot of times I just buy it on Kindle, whatever. But yes. you know, like a lot of times I'm at my conferences at different places, whatever, I will buy books, the physical books. And so I kind of go between both. But I can't say I'm in the 1% of the Grammarly, but... Let's just put it this way: I get emails every week. You know, I'm like six percent or something like that, and oh, you know, right. I've done I don't know thirty, fifty thousand words or something yeah. like that. I don't
1: yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I'm so you're a workhorse, just like me. And really, it is we use whatever is most efficient and effective until there's pain, and then we switch to something where there's no pain. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe.
0: So today, Steve, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the book writing process because when you sit there and you think, oh, I'm going to write a book, you know, so many times people get overwhelmed. Like they just don't even know where to start. So I would love to hear your thoughts on when you're talking to your clients about ghostwriting this book, what are some of the first steps that you take them through?
1: Well, there's a, a fairly formulaic approach that I take. And as with all formulas, once you are adept at the formula, you can you know, vary and come back to it. So uh, the formula that I use is, first of all, I'm always contacted on a contact page Ninety mm-hmm. percent of the time, because either my my uh, Google Ads or my website contact page, which by the way, both are essential. At least the contact page, if you're going to be a paid ghostwriter, mm-hmm. that's how you get your business. Uh, so it'll come to me, and they'll describe what their story is about. So I got a sense of it coming in. Is it a memoir? Is it a how-to? Do they want to talk about the environment? Is it an injustice from a legal case? I get typically a lot of just what I describe. So. Uh, after I've signed them to a contract, which I do before I do anything, uh, I mean, we talk a few times but before I do anything on the book. The very first thing I do is I spend an hour with them and I do restrict them to an hour more or less. I'm easygoing. I don't really put it the way I just put it to you, but I I'm very clever at winding it up in an hour. Oh, my wife is calling, which half the time she is. But, uh, I, you know, so I say, honey, call me every hour today. <laughs> no. Uh, so, uh, and then I record it on the Timmy app, T-E-M-I. There are others, but we I think we might have even discussed it. The Timmy app is uh, that app that goes on your phone or really elsewhere too, but on your phone, I think Apple originally created it. It looks just like this and it's it's just like that. It's the Timmy app, and all you do is hit record, place that phone down, you know, in the direction of whatever speaker you got, and it will record the conversation. When it's done, it translates it for you for a small fee. You download that in Word. If you're me, you probably print it that first thing. But not necessarily, but I sometimes just like to get out of the office and go sit and have a coffee and I'll read that initial part. Now, what I'm going to do with that is I'm going to create a chapter outline Mm -hmm. because I I like them to give me their story in an hour or less so that I know the whole story. I really need to know where it starts and where it ends, what they're trying to do as best they can. Then I create, say, 50. uh, Now, when we contract, it's sort of a weird a priori kind of thing, which comes first the chicken or the egg. I, we, you know, you're contracted around a page number typically or a page, a word count, 70,000 words, 80, 90. It's a really important difference. Is it going to be a $40,000 sort of novelette or a short book? Is it going to be 70 to Mm 80,000? So, you know, so that's important because that determines the number of chapters. But let's just say it's a regular book and you're going to have 3,000 words per chapter. Alexa, what is 70,000 divided by 15?
0: 70,000 divided by 15 is four thousand six hundred sixty-six point six six six
1: seven. That means if I have 15 chapters and I want to reach 70,000 words, I'm going to need 4,500 word chapters. That's a big chapter, to be honest. Today, you know, the way if you're like Patterson is this, you know, he's got half sentence paragraphs, but I mean, uh, but I mean, yeah, it's quick and fast and no, whether you like it or not, you're certainly not going to get bored. He moves you from one end of the train to the other, out the train, off the ramp, into the field, and you're using the restroom while running and having a conversation and uh, dodging bullets or shooting somebody. You're always on the move. So depending yeah, on
0: good. what... Fine with our clients. Average chapter is twenty five hundred to four thousand words. Four thousand words is high. Usually 20. Very high. 3, so there you go. So Alexa, what is seventy
1: thousand divided by twenty five hundred? Seventy thousand divided by two thousand five hundred is
0: twenty eight.
1: So that would be twenty eight chapters. I'd probably do twenty five chapters, and break it down more or less if it's not a novel. If it's a memoir, let's take an easier memoir, into times of their lives. I might do 15 knowing I'm going to break them in half further. Then I follow up and have uh, discussions around every chapter. Mm. If it's about their lives and they know it, I'll do chapter one. Now, I sometimes will fly in. My wife and I flew in for a very big book to a lady in upper New York. We sat there for three days on and off. We also did some looking around at places and took pictures and such uh, because it's a historical mystery kind of book. But we interviewed her, one Timmy recording per chapter. Mm -hmm. Then at the end of each chapter, we saved it and gave it a name. When we were done, we had 20 chapters, more or less, a lot of photos from the location. And that's a big book to do that, because that's quite an expensive trip, as you can imagine. We flew from England, And uh, it is a big book. And she had been working on 15 years to get to the point where she was. So there was a lot of material. But then I uh, my contract breaks books into typically uh, seven parts. I take a deposit and then seven parts. Yeah. The first part is the interviews and that's one seventh of the balance after the deposit. Then five sections is the book, right? So 20,000, if it's a hundred thousand word book, 20,000 per or whatever, right? Then the final milestone is the polish. So I'm writing from one milestone to the next. So whatever chapters it takes to get say the first 15,000 words in, I shoot for that. And that way also, I don't get worried because I've, I've interviewed the client for the whole book and I've also done research and my wife might have done some research and helped organize it. So when I get to that first milestone, I've got to, that sets the tone for the whole book. Well, how do I find the tone for the book? I call it bend it like Beckham. It's a sort of a, a silly kind of comparison, but what it is, is I asked the, the subject author to tell me what two books they most want their book stylistically to Mm -hmm. feel like. A lot of people who want books don't read that many books. So that is sometimes a bit of an effort to get them to find it because they don't know what their written voice will look like. And the last thing you wanna do is put all this effort into it, impose your own style. I'm a Truman Capote style writer, narrative nonfiction, a bit literary, I got to be careful with that because if they want a James Patterson, I've just got to make that adjustment early on. Big difference in those two styles, right? So I want to know. So a lady just told me, for example, that she wants her book to sound like something in between Girl Interrupted and a book about Ashland, Kentucky that she found and shared with me. Well, they're quite different, but I got the point in terms of sentence structure, voice, style, sarcasm. I I see what she's going for. She wants a little darkness from Girl Interrupted and she wants the mystery of the other book, which really sort of doesn't answer the question, the mystery part, but I got a sense of it. So I'll do that very first milestone, get it to her or whoever the author is. And that's the important one. I say this book is going to sound like this unless you tell me now. Then we get all that worked out. And I have to say, sometimes either one or both of us will just, it's just not right. But I I won't goof around. I mean, I don't like rewrite it six times and give it to them. I do it, give it to them. No, no, no writing blocks for me. I mean, I make sure it's good. I edit it 10 times, you know, when I'm writing it. But I mean, I don't second guess myself because if I did, then you get paralyzed. Paralyzed. Yeah. You get writer's block. You get all that. I don't worry about any of that because it's going to change a hundred times. I've thrown out first um, milestones completely. Yeah. Or I've taken them and worked them as backstory into the rest of the book when it didn't work, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how I do through the whole book. And, at the, and I make sure my contract is very clear. Robin, this is one I think is critical for us writers if we, when we get paid to write books. And that is, it's a draft. It will not read like something you pick up off the airport bookshop shelf. It won't, it might, but it probably won't because it's just a draft. And I'm not gonna worry, about things are gonna change in that draft because books write themselves. Even memoirs write themselves and the themes, we're gonna backfill themes throughout this whole book. So I'm not gonna get caught up here. I'm just gonna finish it. If it's close enough and I put that right in my contract, you pay me. And, and everybody understands that to a degree. It's still a challenge fighting that expectation because at some point, the book's gotta be good. But I mean, but so you, you gotta make an effort, I think, on that first milestone to, to, to woo them a little bit. Even if they've read your other books, which very often people will do, I'll send them five books you know, that I have. I'll mail it to them you know, through Amazon or whatever. And, but I give them like five different kinds. And I see, you see how different these are Yours is gonna be different than all of these, but I don't want them to think I'm writing that way, that way, or even that way, because they may have gone online and found that. Because that's not how I write. I write for the book. Even my own stuff, I write for the book. So I get through the whole book, now I've got a book. I'll share that with readers. Often, I will, when I've done the, well, okay, you get your draft before you do your polish. I'll share that with my internal group. This is not beta. This is not your beta, whatever, you know, whatever we're saying in Canada. Beta, beta, I say potato. But the beta, beta readers, uh, these are what you might call alpha readers. And you know, there's no, alpha is alpha, isn't it? It's, there's not, there's not beta, beta, alpha, alpha. So alpha readers are like early on readers, just is this working? You know, or there's some major flaws or you just not, is it not taking you to the next chapter? Is it too dense? You know, what's going on? I usually get three or four people to do that. Then get the client's feedback. I like to do this, a very cool trick someone taught me. I ask them to print the damn thing out. They don't always do that. But I say, if you're going to spend, if you're going to kill a tree, here's the time to kill the tree. Kill it here. Print it out so you can look at it that way and in the margin write one through 10 every four or five every place you want to or at least every four or five pages 10 is home run ball's still flying it's not even it's just that ball's a home run every it's going to go for a mile one is this is just not working and margin that book and then get on zoom with me and let's go through it together so I know where it's not working for you. Now, sometimes it's not that they're wrong. It's just that the error I've made isn't where they put it. The error I've made is elsewhere, but, but by, it's not working, though, there for them. And, it's, and I say, this is entirely separate from the facts. You have two reads, I say. One read is for facts. Don't worry about the facts first. Read it for aesthetics. Read it for style. Is it reading between, is it, is it, have we bent it like Beckham? So it's getting there now by this time, they better be pretty darn sure the style is right, but is the story working for you? If you were a reader of your own story, then go back and correct the facts, do that online, send that to me in a red line, but measuring this at least each chapter, how did that chapter do? Because if I can make that chapter better, I will focus on all the under fives (laughs) right away and try to fix those. I don't get too many, but I sometimes, the moment I have somebody hovering at five, I say, don't worry, I'm giving myself a one. And then I go back and I, you know, you truly do realize what happened and it's just not working. You can feel it now that you've focused on it, right? So then I get all those notes and I go through and I finish the book. Book finished, I then ideally do two things before I give it back to my person, okay? because I'm still going to change it more if they want it, but I share it with my beta readers. Yes. My quick and fast beta readers, not the ones that take three weeks, not strangers, but just people who are going to say, Steve, are you going to embarrass yourself? Or have you just totally like screwed something up here? Yep. And, and uh, you know, in terms of whatever, because I do a lot of different kinds of books and you just never know. And then I, I might even have, uh, I don't, I might even have an editor do it because I, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this. People find silly little mistakes or errors, yeah. and they just lose it. Yeah, and it's like that is nothing. None of that's going to survive. But they oh, just know. Oh, you <laughs> can't spell my name right. It's like your name is irrelevant. But <laughs> oh, half the time I'm changed. I just changed to a lady's name and her and the guy's name in the book yesterday on a book. It's like because she just decided that she didn't want yep. the association because she was in the Ukrainian revolution as a, as a, as a, as a soothsayer. She's afraid she's going to get killed, but she wanted her name there until four days ago. Yep. Now well, she see, doesn't.
0: Unfortunately, I'm going to have to interrupt you because we've kind of hit the end of the show. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't you ever and I ask could, me to, to, you to and I a... could talk for <laughs> forever on publishing, but Thank you so much, Steve, for explaining your process to us. I I found that really fascinating. How can people connect with you? So if they've heard what you said and they're thinking, you know what, I really want to connect with Steve and talk to him more about that book writing process. How do people get a hold
1: of you? Email is always the best, even though if you Google my name, Steve Eggleston, E-double-G-L-E-S-T-O-N, you will find lots of ways to reach me. But Steve at... Steve Eggleston writes, W-R-I-T-E-S writes.com is my email address. It's on my website, which is Steve at Steve Eggleston writes.com. And I look at emails every day. Rarely will I miss one.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so
1: much. Thank this you. And Steve Eggleston and Kim
0: Thompson Pender on the author to authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the very next episode. Have a great day. Bye now. Thank you, Gail Thank you so much for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift for you. I'd like to invite you to download a sample of my newest book, Author to Authority, coming out this year. If you enjoy the podcast, you will enjoy learning how becoming an author can change not only your life, but your business as well. Go to www. Dot author to Authority.com Slash Free dash Sample. So that is www.author to authority dot com forward Slash Free Sample. Have a great day and stay safe.